Have a seat, turn to two people and tell them welcome home, would you? Tell two people next to you, welcome home. And from me to you, I want to say the same thing. If this is your first time, I know Casey said it, but I got to say it again. If it's your first time at Meadows Church, you're not here by accident, I promise you. Welcome home. And if you came back for another round, I'm glad you're back. See, you heard a little bit, you're getting a little taste of what God is doing. And what God is doing at our church, it's, it's something only He can do. I mean, it's something supernatural that is happening in our church. And, and last weekend, it's hard to even put it into words, but you heard a little bit, record attendance, record baptisms, 28 people getting baptized last weekend, and then record decisions for Christ. 10 people, did you hear that 10 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in this church? This is, that is something definitely we're celebrating and we'll never stop. And some of you, you might hear that and think, well, what do you mean gave their lives to Christ? What do you mean decisions for Christ? That's a great question. I promise you, by the time you leave here, you're going to know exactly what that means because we celebrate it every weekend. And I, I think about last weekend and I think, God, you're big, but how do you top what went down? Like, how do you top that? Like, can that be done? And then I think, wait a minute, we, we serve a God that makes all things new every day. Like, we serve a God that's in the miracle-making business. We serve a God that loves showing off his power, loves showing off his goodness. So I don't know about you, but me, I'm believing in even greater things that are going to happen today. I believe that. You didn't come here just to show up. You came here for a life change, and you know it. And that's what God wants to do. So we're in a series called All I Want for Christmas. And in this series, God has been unpacking things and showing us things that only He can. And, and, and He's just getting started. Worship team, thank you so much. Thank you for what you guys do. Are they incredible or what? We had a, Our worship team's okay. They're all right. They got some talent. But more than talent, they have a heart that loves the Lord like I've never seen. And I, I want that leading our worship. And I love, I love them. I'm so proud of them. But the series that we're in, well, let's do it this way. Let me have you repeat something after me. Um, Say always. Yeah, no, no, no. Say, always. always. Be, be joyful. joyful. Let's do it again. Always. always. Be, be joyful. joyful. See, you just memorized a scripture. I'm so proud of you. You're memorizing Bible verses. You memorized a Bible verse right there. Always be joyful. That is a scripture that's found in a book in the New Testament called 1 Thessalonians. I mean, the book is almost harder to memorize than the scripture itself. Thessalonians 5.16, I think. Is that right? Yeah, 5.16. You just memorized scripture. Always be joyful. Paul is the guy that wrote this in the New Testament. He's the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament. Now, New Testament is after Jesus came to earth and after. Like Christmas, that begins the New Testament. Old Testament is stuff before that. So Paul was transformed by Jesus big time. And, he, and, he, and God starts giving Paul these, these churches to plant. And then he writes them letters. And this church in Thessalonica is a church that he, he wrote to. It's in Greece right next to a church called Philippi that we learned about last week. But it's modern-day Greece. These churches were planted there by Paul. And Paul wrote this to the, the church. And you know what bothers me, though, about this statement from Paul? Like, I love it. It's easy to memorize. Always be joyful. I feel like I'm a, a smart guy for memorizing Scripture. But the word always kind of bothers me. It's like, really, Paul? Always be joyful? Like, Paul, the last time I checked, you didn't have a spouse, did you, Paul? Like, Paul, the last time I checked, you didn't have kids, did you, Paul? Paul was a single guy, right? Pretty easy to write, Paul. Always be joyful. Tell that to the couple that went out to eat and brought their kids to a nice restaurant. 
They, they tried that for a change. They thought they'd go to a restaurant that doesn't serve Happy Meals. Let's try this. You ever done that? You made that mistake, haven't you? It was a mistake because they had a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter, and it was chaos from the word go. They're in the restaurant trying to sit down. It's a nice place. And the five-year-old's running around, going through tables, going crazy, you know, they're about ready to have him tested for meth. They're not sure what's happening with the kid. He's running around. The three-year-old, the three-year-old's at the table, and she's bawling because she can't find chicken McNuggets on the menu. So they're going nuts, and it's chaos, and they're regretting the decision. And there's a couple next to them, and this couple's trying to have their date night. They have no kids. At least not with them. They were smart enough not to bring them. And they're trying to relax and have dinner, and these kids are going ballistic. And finally, the, the, the guy over here leans to the other guy who's the dad, and he says, oh, my gosh. He says, I see you got, I see you got two kids. And the guy's like, yeah, we do. I said, I'm so sorry. I know they're out of control. I know they're bothering you. I know. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, no, no, it's okay. He goes, my wife and I, we, we, we'd give anything to have two kids. And the guy kind of gets somber. He realizes what the guy's saying. And he says, I'm sorry. He goes, you, what, your wife, you, you and your wife can't have kids? He said, no, 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 we have six. We just give anything to have two kids. You know? <laughs> See, yep. Yeah, it's just, there's something about two. They're my pride and joy. You ever tell somebody, your, you know, they're your pride and joy? People always want to show pictures of their pride and joy. You got to see my pride and joy. Check out. In fact, I don't know if I've ever showed you a picture of Jody and I, our pride and joy. Have, have I? Can we show that picture? This is our pride and joy. We love them so much. See, you know what would give us joy? is like if our kids found the pride and joy and start using it around the house. That, that would give Jody and I great joy. Love them so much. But, um, yeah, so say joy. Raise your hand if you would like more joy in your life. Raise them up. Come on. If you don't want more joy, what is wrong with you, okay? I hope you want more joy. I do. I want more joy. And God wants to give it to you. And today we're going to find out how. Like, Paul, are you serious? We, I can always be joyful? The answer is yes. You can. You can. And I'm going to show you what God's word says about it. You want more joy. I, I looked up a definition of joy, and there's multiple ones that you can find. You can find almost anything you want if you search the right way. And uh, the, the, the definition of joy that I think is probably most biblically accurate did I, I, I think I got a screen for it too, but I'll read it to you. Joy is an emotion. It's true. That is one of the emotions. It's acquired. So something we acquire by the anticipation, acquisition, or expectation of something great and wonderful. So joy is kind of uh, this product, this emotion based on something that's going to happen. See, I know that in the Gannon household for Christmas, there's going to be great joy. I just know it because I'm anticipating and expecting great things. Like, I already have it mapped out in my head. Like, we're going to wake up that morning, and we're going to light candles, and we're going to have soft music going, and it's going to have that Christmas feel. There's going to be chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Actually, that's not going to happen, Jody. Jake with an open fire would be, well, the house would burn down, but we're not going to do that. Um, but it's going to be Christmassy. And, Jody, I don't want to spoil it for you because you already know what you're going to get me, but I'll tell the church. Um, so... The kids are going to open their gifts, and then they're going to blindfold me and say, Dad, this is, we saved the best for last, and they're going to blindfold me and uh, say, Joy. Say, Joy's coming. So they bring me outside, and they have the blindfold on, and they rip the blindfold off, and there in the driveway, Joy is packaged as a 2019 Dodge Challenger Hellcat. Right? Come on! I mean, some of you are like, he just swore. No, that's just the name of the car, Hellcat. So it's, I didn't swear. I might later, but I'm, I haven't yet. So I'm just kidding. I won't swear. Um... Is that what's going to happen, Jody? That's what you're planning, isn't it? If that's not what you're planning, can you change your plans and make sure that's what you're planning? Okay, so I'm just, so that's, see, that would bring me great joy. There's something about the Christmas story that should give you great joy. See, Christmas is a time where we hear a lot about, the, we hear the word joy a lot. I just don't think a lot of us experience the way God wants us to. 
I, I really don't. And, and I'm going to say what I said earlier. You are not here today by mistake. Like God knew a thousand, thousands of years ago that you would walk through the doors of Meadows Church and that he was going to speak a word into your life today. And if you brought a Bible or you have a mobile device with a Bible app on it, go to the book of Luke. Now Luke, it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those tell the story of Jesus' life. They're the first four books of the New Testament that we talked about earlier. So I'm going to read to you, go to Luke 2, and I'll put it up on the screen too if you don't have that. Go to Luke 2, and I'm going to read verse 8. I'm going to start there. And you're going to find, we're finally getting into the Christmas story. It only took me three weeks to get into the Christmas story, but we're there. We're there. So Luke 2, verse 8. This is what it's, oh, let me set it up. So what's happened? Jesus has just been born. Okay, the greatest miracle in history up to this point has happened. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, you know the nativity scene. They're in the stable. There's the animals. It's all good, but that's what's happened. Literally, Jesus Christ has been born, and he's laid in a manger. Let's pick it up there. It says, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly, that's, that's going to be a big deal in this message. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were freaked out. They were terrified. But the angel said, it's okay, it's okay. Don't be afraid. That's what the angel said. He says, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior Yes, he says, the Savior, what you've been waiting for for ages, it's happened. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you're going to recognize him by this sign. You're going to find that little baby wrapped in snuggling little strips of cloth, lying in a manger. That's how you're going to know. Suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly the angel was joined by... A vast array of angels joined the one angel. And they praised God together. It was like an army, it said. They sang glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the, just picture that scene. The shepherds, and this is happening, and they're like, holy, what the? When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, they looked, they looked at each other and they said, let's get the flock out of here. They didn't say that. That's, they didn't say that. Are you reading the Bible? They said, actually, they said this. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened. So they heard the good news, and then they went that the Lord told us about. They hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph there with the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said. After seeing him, Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. This is the Christmas story. This is a story that's all about good news and great joy. And great joy. I love our kids' ministry. That's awesome. Anytime you can hear them through the wall, you know it's a party. And I love when the kids party. I love, it's our most important ministry is happening over there. You guys are just being babysat while they have church, okay? So anyway, so um, let's, let me break the scripture down for you a little bit. Um, it starts in a scene that's, that's crazy. Like, I told you the greatest miracles just happened. Jesus Christ has been born in Bethlehem, this minuscule little town. But what's weird about the story is you ever think, why would God, like the shepherds aren't in Bethlehem. It said they had to go to Bethlehem. So they're not even in Bethlehem. They're out in some field, and God delivers the message to them through the angels. Now the shepherds, they're low man on the totem pole, okay? You don't go to the U of J and major in sheep herding. 
the University of Jerusalem. You get it. So you don't go there. You don't, you don't need a, you don't even need to graduate eighth grade to be a shepherd. You don't. I was a sheep. I grew, anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, I did have sheep growing up, but I, I was going to tell you another sheep story, but I don't know if you've recovered from the last one I told you. So I'm going I'm to wait on that. Um, shepherds were, were a low rung. It was an entry-level job, minimum wage. We're talking about joy. I almost guarantee you the shepherds, there was no joy in that job. It was a joyless job. But they were there. They were doing their job. They were doing what they were supposed to do when they said they would do it. And I can't help but wonder, is that why God trusted them with it? Like, why would God trust the, he's not, he goes outside of Bethlehem, gives the greatest news in the world through angels to shepherds. And, and I, I tell my kids, if you do things with excellence, if you do what you said you would do, when you said you, some of you, you're working at a job right now, it's, there's no joy in your job. But if you do it well, you do it with excellence, like it is your calling right now, God will, God will show you more. That's what God will do. I, I, this is what will happen. Sometimes, well, once I get here, then I'm going to go all out. Once I get this position, then I'm really going to shine. Shine where you're at, and God will bring you to places where you've never been. I believe the shepherds heard this story because God said, you know what? Every, every night they clock in at the field. Every night they're there. They, they don't even like what they do. But I've been watching them for days. I've been watching them for weeks. I've been watching them for months. I've been watching them for years, and they're there. So if I can trust the good news to somebody, it's them. They're going to be in the field. They're going to be faithful. They do what they're supposed to do, even when they don't like what they're doing. And God shows up and delivers a message to them in a joyless job. And then it says in verse 9, suddenly, like we talked about, an angel of the Lord appeared among these shepherds. The radiance of God all around them. It said they're terrified. You would be too. Suddenly. You ever had something happen in your life just suddenly? Just like suddenly things can change in your life, can't they? You know what I'm talking about. Suddenly. Something happens. Suddenly. And a lot of times it's things we don't want to happen. Suddenly I get that phone call. And now we're not together anymore. Right? Suddenly I receive that text. Suddenly I get the diagnosis. Right? Suddenly there's an accident. And, so, and a family uh, texted me last week. They know about the word suddenly. I'll guarantee you that. Because they texted me saying, hey, can you pray for our two-year-old? Suddenly something happened. Because a two-year-old, something, you know, it can happen real quick. And she pulled a chair, a heavy metal 60-pound chair on top of her face. And he says, I need, we need your prayers. And it was, it was suddenly. They know about suddenly. Gashed her face, gashed her lip. Praise God that God's a healer, right? Praise God that God works through medicine and doctors. She'll be made new because she's in the hands of God. Thank God for that. But suddenly their world was changed. Suddenly. It can happen so quick. But then again, we, I think we, our mindset sometimes is negative. What about the things God can do suddenly that are so good in your life? Did you know that some of you are so desperate for something to happen in your life, that's why God has you here? That you are just begging God, God, will you suddenly do something like you did there? You know what God is saying? You just keep coming. You just keep leaning in. You just keep, you keep seeking me. I will suddenly change your life for the better. That's what he can do. Some of you, you're hurting and you, and you know who you are. And that's why God has you here. But God, suddenly God can take the hurt and he can show you healing like you've never seen. Suddenly, suddenly in the struggle that you're in, the struggle that you wouldn't wish on anybody, but you're in it, suddenly in that struggle, God can show you strength. Suddenly, suddenly, right here, right now, God can show you a joy like you've never seen. Because joy, what you need to know is this. Joy is not created from within. Joy is sent from above. Suddenly, everything can change. Suddenly. I love that word, suddenly. It's how we got the title. Suddenly, joy. I mean, the shepherds, they're in this job, and suddenly everything changed for them. 
everything changed. They were faithful in the little things. They just kept doing what they were supposed to do. They didn't like it, but they did it. But they showed up, but they clocked in. They, they were doing what they were supposed to do when they were supposed to do it. And suddenly, joy. Verse 10, the, the angel, remember they were terrified. The angel reassures them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yeah, the King, the Messiah, the Lord, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, has been born in Bethlehem in the city of David. It's interesting. I read that scripture, and I'm, I'm studying it this week, and I thought, why does it say good news of great joy? It seemed weird to me. I mean, this is the greatest news in the world. Why isn't it like great news of incredible joy or great news of great joy or like, good news of great joy. And I'm looking at the scripture, and I'm praying to God. And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure um, this, is, this is spot on. It's in your notes if you're taking notes. You know what happened with the shepherds? The good news became great joy when it became personal. See, the good news becomes great joy when it's personal. The good news is for everybody. The good news is Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He is God. We'll talk more about the good news. You're going to hear a lot about it today. But that's good news. It's great joy for the people that take them up on the offer. That's great joy. It's, it's personal. It's like, okay, let me, I'll say it a different way. The Dallas Cowboys, I mean, don't cheer all at once, but they've won five games in a row. I mean, five games. That's good news, isn't it? She's like, I don't know, whatever. It is good news. It is. Five games. Now, I know you're not all Cowboys fans, but you'll come around. You'll get Jesus someday and get it. But five games in a row. It's good news. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to win the division. That's good news. They're going to go to the playoffs. Good news. They're going to win the Super Bowl, right? That's, that's good news. <laughs> now I've lost everybody. But anyway, just bear with me, okay? When you're up here talking, you can have your story. Um, it's good news, okay? That's good news. So let's say they win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, okay, I'm a fan. That's good news for me. But after they win the Super Bowl, their, their, their running back, Zeke, gives me a call. He's like, hey, mom, what's up? I'm like, Zeke, bro. Because I think that's how that conversation would go. And uh, he, he calls me. He says, hey, we, we're celebrating the Super Bowl. We want you and your family. We're going to fly you down. I'm like, okay, yes, I'm glad you're coming around here. Yes, uh, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. And he's like, when you get here, we're going to have a, a party waiting for you. We bought you a, a house here in Dallas. We're going to fly you here. It's kind of your, your, your winter home, right? We got you season tickets, so you'll need to change church services to Saturday night and then come to the games on Sunday. I said, that's no problem. God probably wants that. So, um, but, but that's all. Do you see? The good news of them winning, that's good. But the great news is when it becomes personal to me. Now, that illustration didn't catch a lot of people because, you know, you're not Cowboys fans yet, but we'll get there. But what if this? What if your best friend wins 10 million? They win 10 million. They're your best friend. You love them. You're happy for them. That's good news. They call you up and want to split it with you half and half. That's great joy, right? They say great joy. That's great joy because all of a sudden it's gone from good. Oh, good for you. That's great. Oh, to hey, yeah, let's do this. That is the difference. This is the key to what God wants us to know today. The good news becomes great joy when it's personal. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Why would they do that? Why would they say, let's leave the field and go? Because it was personal. That's why. Let's see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. It was personal to the shepherds. They didn't just hear about it from, from other shepherds that saw it from other shepherds that said this thing happened. No, they saw the angels themselves. Okay, they heard the singing themselves. They saw the radiance of the Lord themselves. It was personal. 
It was personal. And I'm thinking to myself, is, 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 is it personal for you? Is Christmas personal? Is Jesus, um, let me say it this way. Is Jesus a savior or is he your savior? Did Jesus come for the world or did he come for you? See, this is the, this is the difference that so many people miss, I think. And why you don't maybe experience the joy that God has for you because it's not personal in your life. Christmas is personal. Joy is personal. Jesus, he is personal. Like he came for you to tell you, I love you. I have a purpose for your life. I've got plans for your life. I've got a future for your life. I have come to bring you good news of great joy for your life. It is a personal decision. It's personal. I love that. Good news, great joy, personal. When, I put, when you recognize that Jesus didn't just come for the world, which he did, but he came for you, it changes everything. It will change your world. Verse 16, remember they hurried to the village. Remember, they, they found Mary, they found Joseph in Bethlehem. They saw the little baby. They knew it was him because they described what he would look like. He'd be the one wrapped in a manger, wrapped in clothing. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. Okay, don't miss that. They told who? Everyone. Not just their closest friends. Not just the neighbors that were around them. They couldn't shut up about it. They told everyone. I love it. They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about the child. And then look at the next word. All. Say all. All. Not, not 50%. Not 80%. Not 9 out of 10. All. Everyone. Remember, they told everyone. And everyone that was heard about it, every one of them that heard the shepherd's story were astonished. It didn't, say they were, it didn't say they were bored with it. It didn't say that they were put off by it. It didn't say that they didn't want to hear it. They were literally astonished. Why would that be? Do you know why, they, why I believe that they were so astonished? Because it was so personal to the shepherds. Have you ever shared a story with somebody in your life about something that's happened to you personally? And they know by your excitement, they know by how jacked up you are. Oh my gosh, okay, this person's excited. This person, something's really happening here because they can't shut up about it. They're excited about it. Your next point, when it's personal, you're going to go public. Okay? When it's personal, you will go public. The reason the shepherds were telling everybody and anybody that they could find is because it was personal. It was personal, so they went public. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about social media public. We've all got the friends that they go public with way too much personal stuff. You know who they are. You watch them. You're like, they post something. You're like, oh, my gosh, you did not. You didn't post that. I mean, they're posting stuff that makes the devil go, oh, boy, you're putting that out to everybody? But I'm telling you, don't, don't look at me like I don't. You've all got those friends. And some of you are like, well, I don't have those friends. I don't have, okay, maybe your friends know someone that's, I'm just saying, maybe it could be you. So, but we, and that's not what I, personal, public. They went public. They told everyone. I love that. I, uh, sometimes I get excited. Sometimes, like, Pastor, you get kind of excited when you preach, you know? You get a little bit loud when you preach. Pastor, one time you spit on me when you're preaching. It's true, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm working on that, you know, some speech therapy. I'm going to get there. But I've been, I've been known to do that. But that always hasn't been the case, okay? That, all, that hasn't been the case. It always hasn't been personal for me. And I don't know where, where you're at in your journey. It got personal 11 years ago for me. I've always believed in Jesus. 
grew up going to church, always believed, but wasn't, wasn't telling anybody about it, certainly wasn't going to all people about it, certainly wasn't getting excited about it, shouting about it, that wasn't the case. It never was until 11 years ago. See, in, in addiction, maybe you're addicted today. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I'll say it straight up. I'm glad you're here. In my addiction, something happened. Like God can get, some of you, you're going through a very difficult time today. This week, this month, this is why God brought you here. See, it's in the times of the struggle that God will draw us in mostly because that's when we're most receptive to God and his good news. So he'll allow some things, not because he wants to torture you or wants to put pain on you. He's not that kind of God. But he will allow it to bring you closer to him. And I know 11 years ago when it went from like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus to, oh, my gosh, he is a personal king and savior of mine in that addiction. See, in the addiction, in the, I don't know what, what words would I describe, dysfunction, in the chaos, never used to get excited about it, but in the chaos, in the sin, see, God saw me at a place where I finally gave up. Some of you, you might be there right now. You're thinking about giving up in an area of your life. There's some, sometimes giving up isn't a bad thing. Depends on what you're talking about. I gave up. I, I couldn't do it. And I gave up. And I tell people I gave up. And then I looked up. And then God showed up. But he didn't just show up. The, this God of mine, this God who's personal to me, he didn't just show up, but he reached down. Like he literally reached down. He pulled me out of a grave that I dug. And then he lifted me up and he set me on solid ground. So yeah, I get a little bit excited about it. I shout about it. But you know what? I was a dead man and he brought me back to life. And he can do it in you too. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. This can be your strength. You're weak. He knows it. You don't have to do it. That's why he says, cast your cares and your worries onto me. I care for you. You weren't made to carry it. You weren't made to shoulder it. He was. He was. He reached down. I love it. A grave that I dug, and I dug it deep. And maybe you're in a grave that is deep. I'm telling you, if you're not dead, God's not done. He's reaching down right now, looking to pull you up and do something that you can't even dream or imagine. I promise you. I, there, I, I'll guarantee you this, there are 28 people in our church, it's personal. I know that for a fact right now. There's more, but I'll just say 28, because that's a number that's pretty uh, relative to what we've just gone through. 28, where I bet you they're going to go public. I don't know, I just bet you they're going to go public. They have gone public. They have gone public. There are 28 people that are telling others about what Jesus is doing in their life, right? They're starting conversations. They're inviting, I guarantee you. I know that for a fact from what went down ago, their life has been dramatically, I mean, suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly, I mean, suddenly, you don't know what God wants to do in your life, suddenly. God is so good to us. As we close the message, I think about this coming week, and our Christmas service, if you don't know, is uh, next Sunday, the 23rd. It's Christmas Eve Eve. We're special that way. <laughs> so, but that's when we're celebrating Christmas at Meadows. And what God is doing in this church, I don't take no credit for it. It's God is so amazing. But he's doing it through, through you. It, it's you that are excited. It's you that have been changed. And if you haven't been changed yet, you keep coming back, I promise you. God is just getting started with your story. But as we approach Christmas, I know that 
is a time where people are most receptive. Just because people think about that more at Christmas time, people are more receptive to being invited. And we, we came here to reach people. And I want to be bold about it. And I'm going to share something with you that our church is growing. We, we, we knew that would happen. That's not arrogant. I just know that if our hearts are right and we are loving people and, and we, let, we, we meet them with open arms and we don't judge them, but we wrap around them right where they're at, love is attractive. Who doesn't want love? People are desperate for it. They're dying for it. You know why people, you know why all the people love the good news? People are desperate for good news. They're dying for it. They, we live in a world that doesn't have it. But we got it. I just read it to you. This is what I know about people that we're going to meet this week and that we're going to, God's going to bring us in contact with. I, I, I love when you invite. I love when you share your faith. But I believe it starts way before that just with starting a conversation with somebody. It may never end up going to the church. It may never, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to love people. But this, the more that I talk to people, do you know what people want to know? As you start conversations with them, there's really three things I think. They want to know, do you care, do you care about me? Like, do you truly care? Do you love me? Do you care about me? Can I trust you? That's another one. Can I, can I trust you? Are you safe? And will you accept me? Because you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I, 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 I almost guarantee you that if you knew where I've been and what I've done, I don't know if this church would be as full as it is today. Just saying. God makes things new. God brings dead things back to life. It's what he's in the business of doing. And people are desperate to know those things. Do you, do you care about me? Can I trust you? And will you accept me? It's why I love our core values. One of them is all are welcome. Say all. All. You heard it in the scripture. All are welcome. Well, what does that mean? It means exactly what I said. All. I think sometimes the church, what we've been guilty of sometimes in the church, is we've been guilty of telling, telling people, you know what? When you believe, well, then you can belong, okay? Like, when you behave, then you can belong. If that was the criteria, I would have never got my, I would have never got in the church. I would have never, they would have never let me in. And I think sometimes we say, well, you know what? Get cleaned up and you come here. I say, no way. You come here, you'll get cleaned up. Jesus will do his part. He always does. All are welcome. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Drunk, hungover, welcome home. Hi, coming down, welcome home. Heck, the church I was at before I moved here, I was a campus pastor. We had a guy, I don't know if he, I, I don't know if he was drunk or high, could have been a combination. I don't know, kind of that in-between stage. And he came to church, praise God. And uh, <laughs> during the first um, song, he does, he does a header. Boom, right on, he was wait, taking one chair, all of a sudden he was taking four. So we're like, the guys come over, well, you know, what are we gonna do with this guy? I said, he ain't hurt no one. I said, let him go, he's fine. He did start to snore during the message, but I just kept talking louder, so no one heard him. So, but how cool is it the guy could be at church? He, a safe place where he could go and be loved. That, that's what I love. That's what I love. Or maybe you're struggling in addiction like I talked about. You're looking at pornography. You know it's not right. You want to stop. I would say to you, welcome home. Thank you for having the courage to come into this place. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're having an affair. I'm glad that you walked into this place. I've said it before. Uh, we don't care if you're sleeping with your neighbor's wife as long as you're not my neighbor, right? So I'm just saying, that, then it gets serious. But <laughs> I just, what I'm about to say next might, might help some of you determine whether this is your church home or not. And if it's not, I'm okay with that. There's, we're not the only church. But you need to hear the heart of this church to know that this church, I truly mean all are welcome. 
and there's really no exclusions. Like, it's okay to not be okay in this church because the one talking is far from it. But the one we run to and cling to, well, he's perfect. So at this church, I, I truly want, like, like my prayer for the church and our, our team, we pray. I say, God, you know who I want you to flood in this church? Bring in the sinners. Bring in the sinners. Bring in the addicts. Bring in the rejects. Br- bring in uh, the dysfunctional. That's who I want here. Right? Bring in those who are oppressed, those who have been condemned, those who have been judged. Maybe that's you. I'm glad you're here. Bring in the people that are broken, the people that are lonely, the people that are hurting. This is who I pray that God will flood this church with. And I'm telling you, if that describes you, welcome home. You're not only welcome here, you're wanted here. This is your church. I love the church. Jesus, that's I think that who I just, those, what I just described in scripture, that's all Jesus hung out with, by the way. That's who he flooded himself with. God, he's so good to us. The good news becomes great joy when it's personal. When it's personal, we're going to go public. I got to share a little bit more about Jesus, and then we're going to close. This topic is joy. You figure that out by now. Hebrews 12.2. Actually, let me back up to Luke 5.32 because I love this scripture. You want to memorize a scripture that is meaningful? It's all good, but check this out. In the same book that we studied, this is just a few chapters later, Jesus is speaking. I have not come to call those who think they're righteous. So there's people you you haven't come for? Well, Jesus died for everybody, but he's saying, I've come for those who, who don't think they're righteous. I've come for those who know they're sinners. That's me. And maybe that's you too. And they need to repent. That just means I want to go a different direction. I wonder if somebody in this place walked in here knowing that you need to go in a different direction. The Lord is guiding you. The Lord looks at you today in love as your daughter or, or a son and says, I love you. I'll never give up on you. You haven't done anything so bad that you can't come back in my loving arms. In fact, that's why he came. That's what he just said. I came for the sinners. I love it. That's the Lord. That's Jesus Christ speaking. Hebrews 12, 2. Listen to this. It says, for the joy set before him. It's talking about Jesus. For the joy set before him. Say joy. Joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now, so Jesus came as a baby, but most of you know the story. He grew up. 33 years later, he would go to a cross. And we think, oh, it it was a joyful moment. Well, it says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't think there was a lot of joy being crucified on a cross. I don't think there was a lot of happiness. In fact, if I told you a story, would, would you believe me? Check out, you should, because it's in the Bible. It says the day before Jesus was crucified, he was in the garden praying to the Father, begging the Lord if there's any other way. Okay? That's not happy. And that's not saying he wasn't going to die for you because he knew what he was called to do. But Jesus, what we forget about Jesus is when he left heaven and came to earth, he gave up his divine rights. Like he was a human being with human feelings. That's why when you're lonely and you're struggling and you're hurting and you're alone crying, wonder if anybody cares about you, your Lord weeps with you. He loves you and he knows what you're going through because he's been through it. And he's at the cross and he's saying, God, if there's any other way, Father, any other way, please. And you know what God said? You're it. Sorry, Jesus, but you're plan A. And Jesus is like, all right. 
let's do it. And he did it. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus would come as a baby at Christmas, grow up and never do anything wrong, and go to a cross. The reason he did that is because we're, we're the sinners, remember? That's us. We screw up. And you, I don't have to tell you that. You already know it. I know it too. I still do. But that's why Jesus came. That he would crucify on a cross, take away all of our sins, all of our struggle, all of our addiction. We still might be struggling in it, but we're forgiven for it. And he can get us through it now when we accept him. I love it. I came for all. But, but the Bible says not all will accept him. Most people won't take him up on it. Did you know that? Like we celebrate Christmas, but you know what's heartbreaking to me? There's people that will celebrate Christmas this year. And they'll celebrate the birth of Jesus, but they'll never live with him forever in heaven. Because they won't, they won't accept him as their Lord. Not because they're bad. It has nothing to do with good or bad. It's like the, the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is, this is the gospel. When you believe that Jesus Christ, that Christmas is real, God sent his son. That's, that's God's son. You believe that? And then you believe he died on a cross. Took away your sins. And three days later, he rose from the dead. The Bible says when you believe that and you, you ask for forgiveness, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus and Spirit form will come into your life and make you new. Not perfect, but new. And at that point, you are saved. And that means that you're never, he's in you, not with you, in you. This is the difference. Ten people last week committed or recommitted. And some of you, that's a, re, a recommit just means I, I, I walked with Jesus for a while, but I'm way over here now. I'm, the way I'm living, what I'm looking at, how I'm talking, it doesn't reflect Jesus. I need to get back on track. And Jesus says, come home. Come home. I love you. Come home. That's what he's saying today. That's the gospel. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done. Say choice. You have a choice. We're learning something in the series, All I Want for Christmas. You want it? Choose it. You don't earn it, but you do have to choose it. Well, Jesus died for me. I know, but have you accepted that? Have you asked him to come into you? Have you repented? Meaning you don't want to live that way anymore. You're, 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 you're walking with him now. That's what that means. You can choose. Choice is powerful. After the message last week, I... A good friend of mine came to the message. He's not from here, but he was here. And, uh, man, he loves the Lord. Like, he's saved, but he struggles. Any, I wonder if anybody can relate to that. I can, see? See, I love the Lord. Jesus, like, I'm saved. Jesus lives in me. But there are days when you wouldn't, from the way I act, or the things I say, or how my head thinks. That's why I tell you, it's just, it's, it's not easy, but you're not alone. I'll never tell you the gospel's easy. It's not easy to live for Jesus, but he's with you. And this buddy of mine, we're talking about peace last week, and he has no peace. Has Jesus, but no peace. Didn't make sense. And I'm like, is Jesus not enough? And I'll be careful here, but I'll tell you something. J Jesus, if, if all you needed was Jesus and nothing else, we wouldn't have each other. The Bible wouldn't say, confess your sins to each other care for each other. Do two are better than one. Jesus is enough, but Jesus does his miracle working through people. So if you're just going to sit home and think, Jesus is enough, I don't need nothing else, I've accepted the Lord, good luck. Good luck. Jesus uses a lot of different things to, to work his miracles. So back to my buddy, he, he's struggling, 
And it's, uh, he was an addict like me. And addiction messes you up. Like, it messed me up very bad chemically. And I actually had to get on medication. And I struggle with that hard. But I don't anymore. I could care less. I, I, I need it, and I'm not afraid to say it. Jesus said, I'm going to use that to help heal you. Okay, Jesus, whatever you say. So I'm not afraid to say it. And maybe somebody needs to hear that. And my friend wouldn't, he, 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 he's miserable but saved. What a way to live. I said, that's not the joy of the Lord. That's not the peace of the Lord. And he's, but he's so against, he was so against doctors. And he's just like, no, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I'm like, dude, Jesus uses other people and other means. Don't think you're less than. It's not a sin to be sick. And I'm like, dude, you're killing yourself. You're killing your family. And he's dying on the inside. And we do the message, we get done, and he takes off, and he sends me a text. I think it was Tuesday. And he said, and this is, there's a whole backstory behind this, but he sends me a text. He says, Monty, I called a doctor today, and I, I'm going to try some medication. And I, and I just start sobbing. I just start, praise God is right. Is medication for everybody? No. No, it's not. But it is for some. And it doesn't mean you're less than. I wish it was just Jesus was enough for me right now, but Jesus uses other methods as well. Doesn't diminish his power. It's all him. The girl that pulled the chair on herself, Jesus is using medicine. Jesus is using doctors. Jesus is using people. And I wept in my car. Do you know how hard it was for him to do that? Swallow his pride. I couldn't, and I'm like, God, I pray that whatever, whatever, wherever you're guiding him, whatever he's on, God, let's do this. It's just taking that step and saying, I need help. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know people will be involved. Jesus will be involved. And church will be involved. I'll guarantee you that much. It made me, crying me last for the night. This isn't Psalm, but joy comes in the morning. But joy comes in the morning, not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Okay, remember that. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. Okay? Happenings change all the time. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what my Bible says. So I don't know what it is for you. I just, I just know there's hope. And Jesus uses all kinds of people and all kinds of things to do his work. Jesus is so good to us. This, this series is teaching me a lot of things, and I hope it is you too, but one thing I know I'm learning for sure is this. The first week we talked about hope. Last week we talked about peace. This week we're talking about joy. You know what I know about all three of those things? You don't get that from what you have. Right? Those are, see, those are things that the world can't take away. Those come from the Lord. All I want for Christmas. The only thing you want for Christmas is the only thing Jesus can give. Joy is recognizing that in realities of life, God is here. Joy is recognizing that in the realities of life, God is here. It doesn't come from what we have. It comes from what can't be taken away. See, at the end of the day, your job can be taken away. The world can take your job, just can't take away God's purpose from your life. The world, I mean, it, it can take a relationship. can. can't take away the love of your father, though. The world, it can take your health, we've talked about that, just can't take away the promises of God, right? Because at the end of the day, church, and you need to understand something, at the end of the day, your joy is not based on what happens to you, it's based on what the Lord is doing in and through you. 
This is what your joy is based on. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In the flesh, came as a baby, died on a cross. For the joy set before him, that joy was you, by the way. If you don't know, you were the joy set before him. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to sing. After we sing, there's going to be an opportunity. We have it every weekend, but my dream is that when church ends, it just begins when we leave this place. My other dream is that instead of going that way, many of you will come this way as the prayer team will be lined up here. Many of you need prayer. I don't need to tell you who you are. You already know it. Don't leave this place if you need prayer. You want to make a decision? You want to commit your life to Christ today? Praise Jesus Christ. That's why we do church. I hope you come to the prayer team and do it. You want to recommit your life to Christ? You want to get baptized? You want to do any of that stuff? You come to the prayer team. That's what they're for. I pray you will do that. I wrote, stop chasing after God. Stop chasing after what God has already sent. Joy has been sent. Some of you are chasing it. You don't have to anymore. It's right here. Jesus Christ is your joy. He is your strength. And he wants to make you new. Father, I thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for your power. Thank you so much for changed lives. 28 people declare their faith. 10 people made decisions last week. Those numbers matter big time. We say it because you, told, you, you tell us. Every number has a name and every name has a story. And every story matters to God. God, I pray that as I pray this prayer, your spirit floods through your people. And God, I pray that your word, though we know has gone forth, that it'll be acted upon. Action is what we need at the end of the day. We can hear a message. We can hear a word. We can get excited. But if we don't move, if we don't act, our life won't change. We need to act. Some people are going to act by walking forward here afterwards to pray. Some are going to commit their life to you. God, praise you for that. Some are going to take a next step. They will share their faith. They will go public this week. They will invite to church. They're going to make it personal. They're going to love like they've never loved before. They're going to share hope. They're going to ask for help. Maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to seek help through a medical facility or a life group, which is our small groups, God. Whatever you want to do, God, do your work. It's your job. The word's gone forth. You do your part, which you always do, and then may we do our part, which when we do that, I mean, the world will never be the same. We love you so much, Father. We love you so much, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.